How many choices do you think you make in a given day? 1,500. Double that, 3,000. How many choices? Would you say way more? Way more. 80,000. 80,000. Okay. One dollar. Yeah, there we go. Come on now. Come on now. Yeah. Who wants this beautiful bell? Anyway. Yeah, it's not for sale. Oh, that's right. Well, so studies have, studies have said that um, children make about 3,000 decisions in a day. Um, adults, adults somewhere in the neighborhood of 35,000. 35,000. Now, just think about that, though. Decisions. I mean, getting out of bed is a decision. Putting your feet on the floor is a decision. I mean, just think about all the choices and decisions that you're making all, all along the way. You know, it's not just, you know, do I turn left or turn right here? Or do I, do I run up next to that guy and shake my fist at him because I'm angry about how he's driving? Um, and it's always a guy that's driving that drives you crazy, I know. And, um, you know, those, those kinds of things. Or, or do I buy a new car? Or do I invest in this? Or do I take this job? I mean, yes, those are the ones that occupy our minds a lot, but, but we make a lot of choices every single day. And studies also show that about 40% of our daily life is habitual, is routine. I mean, most people, um, when they get up in the morning, after they eat breakfast, or maybe they do it right away in the morning, brush their teeth. Most people... My dentist friend is saying, no, they don't. (laughs) They should brush their teeth. But a lot of us do things that are just this immediate habitual. You know, maybe it's that you go get a drink of water right when you wake up. Maybe it's, maybe it's, you know, whatever it is. But they're just habitual things that you do. About 40% of your life is habitual. So, so my, my thing always is you better choose that 40% well. Because if, if the things that you're doing on a, on a regular daily basis that you're not even thinking about consciously, are not good for you, then it's, it's going to be really difficult to, to get out of that because you're not, you're not thinking about it. The decision, the choice was already made and you're just following through on it. Somewhere along the line, it was already made. You're, you're, just, you're just following through on it. And so, so it's interesting here, we, we come to this, to this uh, passage that Nate read and it's the 30th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, and, and I know that you all know that in Deuteronomy, Moses has been speaking for 30 chapters, 29 chapters up to this point. Well, he speaks all the way through the whole book, but 29 chapters, they're at the edge of the promised land, and he's telling them what, what all the rules and the procedures and all that sort of thing are, right? Ten Commandments, all of that. He's laying it out, laying it out, laying it out, laying it out, laying it out. And then he gets to the 30th chapter, and it's really, it's really sort of the end of that section, because he, as the next chapter he moves on, he moves on basically to talk about himself, and how, he's, and how he won't see the promised land, and how he's going to die. So, so it's sort of the end of this, of this section of, here are all these things, and then he says, I've laid before you life and death. I've laid before you prosperity and adversity. So... The choice is yours. The choice is yours. 
And he, of course, encourages them. He says, he says, choose life so that you might live. And not just that, but so that you might live, but so that the generations after you will live. And then he also goes back at the end of that passage and says, choose life so that you can inherit the land that was promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So it's this very much this intergenerational thing that the choices that, that we make and the choices that he's asking them to make in, that, in this section right here affect the generations. Affect the generations. It's not just, it's not just a singular choice for me for my family, oh, well, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose this so I can have prosperity and not adversity or, or, or life and not death for my family. But it, but it spreads out. It spreads out into the community. And these choices aren't just, I mean, it's not just like a one-time, a one-time choice, right? Because as, as then as you follow the Scripture of the Old Testament... The Israelites are often choosing not <laughs> to follow. Airplanes, you may or may not know, depending on who you read, are off course most of the time they're in the air. They're still heading toward the right direction, but the only time they're really on this place they're supposed to be is when they're on the runways. Because once you get up in the air, you're making adjustments all the time for what's happening in and around you. And so you're not technically on that, that course that you might have plotted out so carefully all the time. And so you, you've made a decision, I'm, you know, I'm going to fly from Houston to Richmond, but in between, you know, you, you've got a course correct. You've got a course correct. And I, that's what I love in thinking about the Old Testament. There's a lot of course correction that goes on. And God is usually the one who comes in and is like, hey, uh, folks, we're the plane, we're way, whoa. We're, you know, we, we went to Washington State when we were supposed to go to Richmond from Houston. You know, we, we, we're way off course here. There's lots of course correction that, that, that needs to happen. And, and I think sometimes we, especially with our faith, we think, well, okay, well, I believe and I'm just going to, you know, I just, okay, I've made that decision. And, and I think lots of times in our churches, um, uh, you know, especially in churches like ours that are what we call confessional churches, we have, you know, Apostles' Creed and we have all these other creeds that we talk about. And, and, and when, we teach, when we teach confirmation and, and we bring people up in the faith, we often talk about here's what we believe. And so sometimes it can feel like, well, if I, just, if I just say I believe this stuff, then that's good. I'm done. I just move on. But it's not about that. Not, not first and foremost. I mean, the content of life is really about choosing life. And when you do that, when you, when you say, yes, I'm going to choose this, you're, you're starting something. And for the Israelites, it was, you know, serving the God of Israel equals life, serving other gods equals death. That was, it was pretty black and white. Pretty black and white. It's, it's sort of an if-then statement. If you do this, then you will live. If you do this, then you will have prosperity. I mean, I think, I think he's drawing it in the starkest terms for them to understand. I mean, they've just come through 40 years in the wilderness where they had to completely rely on God for everything, and they still couldn't keep it together. And here they are getting ready to come into the promised land. You know, this land is supposedly filled with milk and honey, and it's going to be prosperous and fruitful and all this sort of thing. They're going to be able to live in homes for the first time. 
and I'm sure they're getting ready, but that's usually when we get into the most trouble, is when it's going good. Because we're like, I got it all figured out. I can go do whatever I want. And, I, and most of us, you know, that's, that's what we're working for, right? We, we, we want to build a life so that we can go do what we want, when we want, whenever we want. And maybe that ought to worry us a little bit because that, that can lead us into all kinds of places. The Israelites are getting ready to move into a land, the land of Canaan, which is already occupied by other people and people who, who, who follow lots of other gods. Sound familiar? We live in a world where there are lots of gods that we could choose to follow. And when we choose to follow, say, the gods of money, we often end up exacerbating the difference between the rich and the poor. When we choose to follow the, the, the god of consuming and consumerism, we often leave our environment in shambles. There are lots of gods that we could choose to follow. And in our culture, it's, I mean, it's, very, it's very, very tempting. And, 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 I, and you've, you've heard me talk about this before. I mean, most marketing and media is, is, is all aimed at making you discontent with where you are right now, with the choices that you've already made. You know? When you watch TV, um, the, preponderance, uh, the preponderance of your thought process is, it, actually, they've, they've studied people who, who, watch, who watch television or watch shows more often, and actually, um, people who watch television more often believe that cities are much more dangerous than what they actually are. Because we're always watching Law and Order, or you know, some sort of crime show or how to commit murder, or, you know, something like that. I mean, some, something where, you know, it's, it's hyping it up. It makes us discontent, makes us discontent or scared about where we are, scared about the choices we've made. I mean, if you're, you know, if, if you're somebody, if you're somebody who's, who's married, you know, and, and you, watch, you watch some show and, you, and, and you're watching something where, wow, look at all these things they get to do. Or look at how wonderful their kids are. I mean, sometimes you watch TV and you're like, gosh, I'm so glad that's not my life. <laughs> but there are lots of choices. There are lots of gods out there that, that, that we could follow. And we make choices every day. How we live our lives every day is, is how we show who we are following. Not what, but who. Because for us, it's a who. It's Jesus. It's, it's, not, it's not simply a set of laws and rules where we're checking the box, you know, as much as, as much as, oh my gosh, as much as it would be so nice to have that, wouldn't it be? Just to have rules and laws to follow, to have, to have somebody who could just tell you in every situation exactly what the right answer is, boy, that would be boring. <laughs> but it's not that way, but all, but all of our choices, all of those things that we do each and every day, For us as Christians, are about whether we're choosing life in following Jesus or not. Choosing life in following Jesus or not. And that has repercussions. It's not just about us again. It's not just about us. It's, it's, about, it's about the whole community, and, it, and it's really about every, every human being. And that's where, and then Jesus, so Jesus 
in the Sermon on the Mount, as we've been doing that again, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, um, that's where it begins. It says he goes up on the mountain to teach them. Um, in Luke, it's called the Sermon on the Plain. He goes to a level place and teaches them, so you should read both. But so, he's, so he starts talking about the law, starts talking about sort of the rules and all this thing that, that, we're, that we're supposed to follow. And it's Matthew 5, beginning with verse 21. And he says this, You have heard it said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. How do you like those apples? It's a little more complicated than just, you shall not kill. As it works out in community. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you'll be thrown into prison. As it works out in community, this choosing life, it, it, it's difficult. It's not easy. It's not just black and white. What Jesus says is when we let insults and anger rule, we're doing something against life. And that we ought to be cognizant of that. When we let insult and anger rule in our lives... It hurts us and it hurts others. I mean, like right now, there are a lot of people that are just angry. Angry. From all, all kinds of walks of life. Just, just angry. But the anger doesn't do any good. It doesn't do any good until you apply it to something. Until you, until you seek to reconcile with a brother or sister. Until you, until you try to move something forward that's helpful. That's choosing life not choosing death. That's choosing prosperity, maybe not in the financial sense, and choosing against adversity. When we trust God enough, the one who's given us life, the one who's given us a new life, to choose that life each and every day and to, and to work towards something that is life-giving instead of something that takes away. You have heard it said... You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in her heart. How do you like them apples? Um, that's, that's very much male-based, but I'm going to flip it around also. Because it's not just men who lust. I mean... 35,000 of our thoughts and decisions might be about, well, anyway, we won't go where those thoughts are, but we know that men think about those sorts of things a lot more often than women do, but anyway, that's, that's the way it is. But, but what, what Jesus is getting at here, I think, is, is not just to condemn us, to, to, but to say, you know, um, it's not just about the act, but there's a lot about intention. 
When we choose life, we, the intention of our life changes. How we, how we look at things changes. When we objectify women, it causes injury and harm to people. Because it changes us, it teaches others to do the same. I mean, and it's very prevalent in our society, isn't it? I mean, it just is. I mean, you know, we joke in, my, in, in the family, I can't remember what the, what, the, what the advertisement is, but if you turn off the sound, you know, I go, what, what is this ad for? And, and, and the boy's are like, I don't know. And I'm like, I think it's an ad for chess. Because there's lots of breasts and there's lots of men's breasts as well in, the, in, this, in this particular ad. I think it's for, an, uh, for a perfume or something. But like, you know, I'm like, what is this about, you know? Well, it's about lust in a sense. It's about objectification, which draws your attention and then gets you to say, well, gosh, if I put this perfume on, then maybe, maybe someone will lust after me. Anyway. Jesus is, is laying it out here for the Israelites who understood the law. They understood, that, I mean, they, they, they were, you know, sort of bathed in the, in the Ten Commandments and in those rules and in those ways. And, and they weren't, you know, and they were often following them um, to, to the letter, but not to the intention of the law. Maybe they weren't killing each other, but they were slandering each other. Maybe they weren't having adultery, but maybe they were, you know, whatever that is. And so the choices that we make every, every single day, again, it's not easy. There's lots of course correction, and, and Jesus calls us and God calls us to choose life, but to also realize that our choices have, have intergenerational consequences. What we choose today has, has consequences for, for our children and our children's children. The lives that we live right now are some, in some ways the consequences of what our parents and, and, and people around us have done and how they've shaped us and formed us. But the call upon our lives is this, that we have been given a brand new life in Christ. We haven't been given a set of rules and regulations to follow just to check off and to be sort of some sort of robot that just goes a, a, you know, around but we have been given this, this dynamic and beautiful and wild and precious life to be lived out. And when we live our choices in the direction of life and following Jesus, we can have an intergenerational impact. Not just on us, but on the people around us, on the community, and on the world. Because when God works through us as we choose life and following Jesus, the spirit of life moves through us to touch other people's lives. And you never know how that's going to work out, you know? That time that you stop, that time that you stop and you help somebody, when it's not convenient, when it's not on your way, that time when, you're, when you say something decent to somebody when you could have just ignored them, right? That could, that could, be, that could be the thing that keeps them from, from killing themselves. That could be the thing that keeps them from, 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 from being mean to somebody else. I mean, you don't know these little things, these little choices. But then there's the big things about, about the 40% of your day. What are you inclining your heart toward every single day? What are those choices? What will we choose 
As a community here, you know, at at Westminster, um, there are lots of choices that we've been trying to make lately. You know, how do we, how do we, how do we live out what we believe God is calling us into now? And how do we tell other people about that? How do we tell other people what, what Westminster is about and who we are and, and, and how we seek to follow Jesus? Without just not being another, you know, another squawking box out there that's showing some shiny thing to people and, oh, come check this out. Where's the, where's the real life? Life in Christ that we're living out and how, and how we're doing that. And so, you know, in, in our prayers and in our committee meetings and in, in our elder meetings, we're always asking, you know, what would God have us do here? What is the right decision for the long term? What is the right decision for the generations that will come after us? Not just for us, but after us. What are the right decisions for the community? Those are hard questions. It would be much easier if we could just be about ourselves, right? Just make it easy. It's all about me. Just going to do it, whatever, whatever it is, as long as it suits me, good. But it's different when you live in community, when you seek to have community, it works out differently. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, Causes her to causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I know a few people in this room, one standing here, who are divorced. How do you like that saying right there? I mean that. Wow. Okay. Huh. Again, what they were doing with divorce at that time was really cruel and unusual. Because women were just property. And so, you know, what they were doing is if, if uh, Stephanie's my wife and I got tired of her, I would just write her a thing of divorce and she was left on her own. Like, she didn't, there was no way for her to make a living, no way for her to have a life. She was getting destitute. So I think Jesus is saying, hey, there's a lot more to hear to this than just writing the nice paper. There's something about how this works out in community. Again, you have heard it said that uh, to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. At that time, there, there, the big thing about swearing oaths, you would swear an oath, or people would say, you know, on behalf of Jerusalem, I would blah, 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 whatever it was, or on the grave of my mother. <laughs> that sort of thing. Jesus is just saying, just, just have honor and integrity and enough respect for yourself. So if you're going to say yes, say yes, and if you're going to say no, say no. How it works out in community, right? We don't need to swear by something else. We're just, we have a relationship. We have a relationship. Let's have honor and integrity with each other. If you're angry with somebody, don't let that rule the day. Go, go to them. If you're married to somebody, honor those vows. If you, you know, all of those things. How it works out in a community. Choose life. Choose following Jesus so that you might live.
really live and that those around you might also see a new life in Christ. Amen.